Praise the Lord. Welcome in to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. And I thank you, God, for all your wonderful blessings and gifts, Lord, that you have given us. I thank you for being with us, dear God, and, and keeping us safe, dear God, and just blessing us with all the blessings, God, that you have given us. Lord, I ask that you just be with us, God, as we sit and teach your word. Lord, that you would just take control of our minds and our lips, dear God, that you would speak through us, dear God, the words that you would have us to say, dear God. Just bring to my remembrance, Lord, those things that you want me to say. God, that we may lift you up and and worship you, dear God, and, and speak of you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 20 and starting in verse 14. And uh, the Israelites are uh, have gotten over a little bit of, of everything that was going on in their life. And they are uh, getting ready to move. And Moses, uh, in chapter in verse fourteen, Numbers twenty fourteen, and Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom. Thus saith thy brother Israel, Thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us. Now then, uh, before we uh, get into all this, um, I looked up some of the names of uh, these different places, and Kadesh. Uh, means be be holy and uh, Edom I uh, when I looked it up I found I found it to be very interesting because Edom meant red and if we remember Esau all the people of Edom were descendants of Esau and if you remember back in Genesis chapter uh, 25 verse 21 through 26 uh, this is when uh, 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 Isaac, uh, Rebecca, when uh, Isaac and Rebecca, she had twins. One of them, the first one that came out was Esau, and he was all red and hairy. And then Jacob come out, and he was holding on to Esau's heel. And uh, this is where that uh, Edom come from, was uh, these descendants of Esau. And Edom means red, which he was, he had a reddish tint to his skin, and he was very hairy, and he was he was the type of person that uh, uh, went out into the, the woods and he hunted his uh, his food, and he would spend days uh, on end out uh, in the woods hunting for uh, different types of animals to feed uh, uh, to help feed his family. And this is what Edom is. So now then, uh, Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to to Edom. And he, uh, he's telling him, he said, Thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us, how our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost, upper, uttermost of thy border, um, let us, I pray thee, 
Let us pass, I pray thee, through the, thy country. We will not pass through the fields nor through the vineyards, neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand or to the left until we have passed thy borders. Now then, uh, Moses, he, he wasn't really wanting a, a fight right now. He was, he was trying to do everything uh, and be peaceful about it. So he, he sent word to the people of, the, of Edom, to the king of Edom, and said, I want to pass through your borders. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't go through your vineyards. We, we won't harm your fields. We won't harm your vineyards. We won't drink your water or anything. Just, just let us pass through on the king's highway. That's, that's the main highway that went through the town. And he said, we're going to come through on foot. And we're going to go to the other side, and we're not going to bother nobody. And he let us pass through our country. And, and Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with a sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway. And if I and my cattle drink of any water, then will I, then will, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Wherefore Israel turned away from him. Now Israel is, is wanting to, to go through Edom. And they sent word to the to Edom said we're going to go through. We're not going to go. Not, not going to mess with any of your fields, any of your none of your uh, vineyards. We'll walk down the highway, stay on the highway, and go through your town. Go out the other side. And you'll not see us no more. And Edom said no. And Edom basically come out to the border of their country, and they stood there and basically dared them. To come into their into their part of the country, and and they but they would, uh, were basically wanting to wanting to have a fight, and you know sometimes it is better for us uh, when people comes against us, especially it is better for us most of the time to turn away from them and and just leave them alone and just walk away. And don't get in any type of fight or anything like that. It's a lot better for us to, sometimes to do that than it is to stand and, and argue and maybe to get, uh, get into a physical fight with people over something. And a lot of times that's, that's the hardest thing that there is to do is to walk away. And especially for Moses and the children of Israel here, because I don't know how far that they had to go out of their way to get to where that they were going. But instead of instead of getting in a fight at this time, they they went around them and uh, they they went on their journey to where they wanted to go, and you know that's that's what we need to do. It's just don't worry about it. Let them let them have their way, and we'll go we'll go another way, and nobody will get nobody will get in trouble, and everybody's going to be in good shape. 
But Edom refused to uh, give Israel passage. And the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came unto Mount Hor. And Mount Hor or Hor means mountain. So uh, they came to this mountain. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the coast of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because ye rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Take Aaron and Elzar his son, and bring them up to Mount Hor. Now the Lord is telling Moses, they, they went around, they, they got through that without any loss of life or any skirmish or anything, and they come to Mount Hor. And the Lord told Moses, he said, I want you, I said, Aaron, uh, Aaron's going to die. I just put it just in my own words. Aaron, Aaron's going to die. This is the place where Aaron is going to die. I want you to, to get Aaron and uh, his son, Elzar, and I want you and the, and the two of them to come up on, on the mountain. Now then, if you remember, when we come out of Egypt, we, uh, the children of Israel, they camped at Mount Sinai or Mount Herob, whichever one you want to uh, call it. They camped there. And Moses went up and down that mountain many times, getting instructions from the Lord and finding out just exactly what the Lord wanted him to do and what the Lord wanted him to tell the children of Israel that they needed to do. And, and this is the place where that they built, uh, they built the uh, tabernacle. They put everything together for the tabernacle at, at the uh, here at this mountain. And now then, here we are at another mountain, and the Lord's telling Moses, said, I want you to take Aaron and Elzar, and I want you to go up this mountain. And when you get up on this mountain, he said, I want you to strip Aaron of his garments, his priestly garments. And... The way that the Lord has put this, this, this is not uh, not really something good for Aaron because uh, and you know, other and the Lord telling him, you know, I want you to take uh, all the priestly garments off of Aaron and I want you to put them on his son Elzar. He said, I want you to strip Aaron of his garments and I want you to put them on his son Elzar. It it uh, reminded me of. Uh, being stripped of your rank or something when you're in the uh, in the armed forces, so you have done something that is really bad, and and they strip you down, uh, bring you down in rank. Uh, that's that's what it reminded me of. And he said, "I want you to strip." And Moses and the Lord commanded, and he went up to Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them upon Elzar his son. And Aaron died there in the top of the mount, and Moses and Elzar came down from the mount. And when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, they mourned for Aaron thirty days, even all the house of Israel. They they was in deep mourning for thirty days because Aaron passed away. But, uh, you know, the Lord got upset with him and Moses both. Now, Moses 
Moses is still not going to make it into the promised land, but the Lord needs Moses just a little bit longer to lead the people around in the, in the wilderness uh, for so many more days or years so that uh, till all the ridge, all the ones that were there when they spied out the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land of milk and honey, all the ones that were above 20 years old at that point, uh, they are going to be led around in the wilderness till all those die. And then those new ones that come in, uh, they are going to go in and they are going to possess the land of milk and honey. But they, they, there is a lot of troubles and a lot of trials and a lot of things that they have to go through in the meantime. Now then, in verse 21, here we go again. <laughs> I know. I know I've said that a lot because it seems like that every time something uh, halfway decent uh, goes on for the children of Israel, they mess up and start, start complaining. And, you know, it's the same thing with us, same thing with, with the children of God. Whenever something halfway decent comes, uh, comes along for us, we find some reason to complain because of it. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard, heard the old saying that you can give a, uh, a, a person a brand new car and they would fuss and gripe because it was the wrong color or the wrong type of interior or there was something wrong with it. And, you know, I'm telling you what, today that is so true. It does not matter what you do for people. Uh, they are going to complain about what you, instead of thanking you and instead of, of saying, you know, thank you and I appreciate it and everything like that, they complain about it. I ran into that same thing over the weekend at work. And people just, they, they really don't care and they, they just want to complain about something all the time. And that's, you know, that is our problem as children of God. That is more our problem than anything in the world is, is we do not take the time to thank God for what we got because we are spending too much time uh, complaining about things that we think that we should have that we don't. And, you know, we need to really forget about what we want and we need to focus on what we have and we need to thank God for what we have and we need to praise him for what we have and we need to thank him uh, for where he brought us from and where we are at at the point in our life right now and we don't need to worry about the things that we don't have. If you if you are living a good life and you are not wanting for nothing, then you, the things that you think that you have to have, you don't really need those. And, you know, we need to thank God for what we have. Be content with what we have. Don't worry about what we don't have and, and asking God why that we don't have this. Why is it that uh, all the people that are out in sin and and doing all this ungodly stuff, why is it that they've got so much and we have nothing and we're serving you? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly why. 
I'm going to tell you exactly why that the, the, all the lost people in this world have so much worldly possessions and have money and fine cars and fine homes and everything, and we don't. I'm going to tell you exactly why. Because that's the only blessing that the sinners are ever going to get is the things that they have in this life. When they, when they close their eyes in death, they are, they have lost everything that they had. They are going to end up in hell, in torments, and they're going to go from hell to the uh, great white throne judgment. And then from a great white throne judgment, they're going to go to the lake of fire to where that they're going to be in torments for eternity. So their blessing is, is here on this earth. Our blessing is stored up in heaven. And our blessing, uh, it, you know, it's like taking one small drop of water and putting it in the ocean. That's what, that's what our blessing or their blessing is compared to ours. You know, they, they have all, all great things here on this earth, you know, and, and, uh, all that. But, you know, when we get to heaven and we walk through those pearly gates, and we're walking on streets of gold, gold that is so pure that it's clear. And we have a mansion that uh, the the most expensive, most elaborate house or building in this world today it pales in comparison to what our our mansion's going to be like when we get to heaven. Our blessings up there. God never told us that he would give us uh, everything in this world. He said he would like to give us according to his riches and glory, and he would and he would give us our need. And in other words, what we need at the moment, he will supply our need. When he can trust us and when we appreciate other things in this life, he will give those things to us too. But you know what? The closer you get to God and the more that you live for him, the more of the things of heaven you want than the, than the things of this world because you realize that all the things in this world, those, all the money and all the big fine cars and the big fine homes and the fancy clothes and all that, all that's going to pass away. It's all going to be destroyed one of these days. Salvation and uh, your place in heaven, your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's going to last forever. So when you give your heart and life to God and, and you work for him and you endure to the end and you stay true to God and follow him all the way up to the point of where you pass from this, from this life, you are going to be in a place to where that you have your mind, our minds right now, cannot even comprehend what heaven is going to be like. On our best days, when we are thinking our best thoughts, it, it is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when we walk through those pearly gates. And we see, we see Jesus. We, walk, we see him face to face, in the flesh, if you will, and we walk up to him on streets of gold, and we look around us, and it is, I mean, 
It's marvelous. It is just marvelous. Cannot explain what it's going to be like. There is not enough words in the vocabulary today to explain what heaven's going to look like. Now in verse 21, and when King Arid, the Canaanite, which dwelled in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people unto my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of the Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. All right, now then. Children, uh, the children, the Canaanites came out against the children of Israel and and took some of them prisoner, and they they told the Lord, said, Lord, if you will deliver the Canaanites to us, we'll completely destroy them, we'll completely destroy their city, we'll destroy everything about them, we'll they'll they'll be completely gone. Just if you will just bless us and let us do this. And the Lord give, told him, said, you, you know, uh, he hearkened unto their voice and he delivered the Canaanites unto them and they, utter, they utterly destroyed them. And they left there and they went around Edom, went around Edom's border and no doubt the children, uh, the, the army of Edom was following them in their country as they went around. Uh, but anyway, they went all the way, they compassed, uh, the land of Edom, and the people got discouraged because of the way, instead of, you know, being able to go down the king's highway, maybe they were thinking, well, you know, the Lord gave us the Canaanites, and we utterly destroyed them. Why couldn't we go in and take the, the Edomites and, and completely destroy them and go through their land and walk uh, on a highway instead of having to come through all the briars and the brush and the brambles and all this stuff. So what they do? They started complaining again. And the people spake against God. They come right out against God this time. And, and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up <laughs> out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? And here we go again. Why have you brought us here in this place, brought us out of Egypt where we had it made, had all the water and the food and everything we wanted. Why in the world did you bring us up here to have to go through this land and all these briars and, and all this stuff and everything to get to the point we are right now and we still ain't got nothing? You know, you know how you are, Christians. I'm the same way. Complain, complain, complain. But you know what? One of these days, we're going to get in trouble for so much complaining. And you know, the thing about it is, is it's a whole lot easier to complain than it is to thank God for the situation that you are in. It's a whole lot easier to tell somebody 
and gripe about, you know, about uh, the situation that you are in than thanking God for the situation that you are in. Because, you know, when we get to the point to where that uh, we're in some something is coming against us, some trial, some tribulation is coming against us, and uh, one thing that we want to do is we want to uh, have a pity party because that we... We, uh, you know, well, oh, woe is me, you know, we, this thing's coming against us or this thing's happening to us. Why, why is the Lord letting this happen to us? And, uh, you know, the same, we're in the same boat that it, uh, the Israelites are in. We're in the same boat. We are doing the same thing, whether we realize it or not. We forget what the Lord has done for us and we complain because of the situation that we're in and we complain because things are hard and, and we're complaining because this coronavirus is, has taken our job. We're, we're complaining because uh, the coronavirus is this and the coronavirus is that and we're blaming everything on, on something we have to have. We as humans, we have to have something or someone to blame our troubles and our trials on. When we stop, if we really stop and and take inventory of our lives and take inventory of what's going on in in our life, we would figure out that it's not anybody's fault or anything's fault. Ninety percent of the time, it's going to be my fault. I caused this to happen. I did not do what the Lord told me to do, or I done something that the Lord told me not to do. This is why I am in trouble. And I have complained about this. I have complained about that. I have not taken the time to thank the Lord for the things that he has given me, and I have just, I have just complained all the time about everything. And and the children of Israel are right back in that same place. They re, they remember Egypt and remember that they had food and they had water and and they had a life back there but they forget how tough it was on them in that job. And in and in the life that they had back there in Egypt we forget, as children of God, we forget sometimes. We look back and we remember when we had plenty of money. We remember when we, when times were good and we laughed and we had good times and everything. When we remember when we had uh, better vehicles and better homes, we remember all those things. And, and we wonder why that the Lord is not giving them to us now. But, you know, the thing about it is, is we forget that when we had those things, when we had all those good times and when we had all that, that money and all that thing, we forget about the hard times, the really hard times that we had, the times that we got in trouble for uh, driving while intoxicated or or coming home drunk and you and your spouse getting into big arguments and big fights and everything. And we forget about uh, not having enough money to real actually pay the bills because we we went out on Friday and Saturday night and we drank up or, or uh, 
bought drugs with all of our money that we made for the week and we didn't have enough money to pay our bills, but we remember all the things that we think are good when we were back in that back in that time when we were out in sin. And that that's the same thing as looking back, desiring those things. The children of Israel, they kept looking back and they kept desiring the things that they had when they were back there in Egypt forgetting what God had done for them and is doing for them at this at this moment, in this time. And, you know, you said, well, you know, they didn't have nothing. They was wandering around. Everything had to be portable. Yes, but listen, they was in a desert place. They was in the desert, in the wilderness. They had no way of going out and buying cloth and buying uh leather and buying different things to make their clothes and their shoes and everything. And and kids were being born and they had no way of buying clothes for those kids that were, were growing up. But yet the Lord supplied everything that they needed. Not one person out of all those people ever went naked. Not one person out of all those people every uh, ever died of hunger. Not one person out of all those people ever, ever died of thirst. God always met their needs. And then they wonder why they're in the position they are right now when I don't read, uh, not one time do I ever read that they actually thank God for the things that they had at that time, at that point in time. And we are the same way. You know, thank God for what you've got. Be happy with what you have. And use it for his glory and he will add unto you as he sees that you need it or you will be, that you uh, can use it for his glory and that you will appreciate it. You know, it, it, it really irritates me when somebody does something for someone and they don't appreciate it. They complain about it. They have something negative to say about uh, the things that people does for them. That really irritates me. And I can imagine what it does to the Lord. You know, people don't have to do anything for anybody. And that's the reason why today that people have just about quit doing anything for anybody because we, we as humans, we don't appreciate nothing that nobody does for us. They can always do better. They can always give more. They can always do better. This, this, this is our way of thinking. But you know, God does not have to give you nothing. He is not obligated to you in no way to give you anything. He gave his son on the cross to die for our sins. He does not owe you anything. We, on the other hand, we owe him our life. We owe him our gratitude. We owe him our praise. We owe him our thanks. We owe him everything. And what do we give him? Complaining, griping, arguments. So, you know, now do you understand the reason why that you are in the position that you are in? Is because that you have just basically just 
decided that the Lord owes you everything and he needs to give it to you and you ain't got it, so you're going to complain and gripe about what you ain't got. There's a lot that, I, I guess there's a lot that I ain't got, but I know one thing, I've got a whole lot and God has blessed me with with more than I deserve and I thank him for everything that I have. And if there's things that I would like to have, I ask God to give those things to me, but I also put my own stipulations on those things. If I can't use it for your, for God's glory and I can't, and it's going to come between me and the Lord, I don't want it. Don't give it to me. I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't need it around me because I do not want anything to come between me and the Lord. I don't care whether it's my podcast, my family, my church, nothing. I don't want nothing to come between me and the Lord because he is number one in my life. And my praise is to him and my glory is to him. And I thank him for everything that I have. And I am happy with what I've got. I'm not the richest man in the world and I don't own a whole lot, but that's fine. It's all going to be burned up one of these days anyway. So it doesn't matter whether I, whether I've got it or not. The Lord will always supply my need. I'll always have a place, a roof over my head. I'll always have a place to sleep. I'll always have food on the table. I'll always have clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. I will always have those things and I will have the money to buy those things that I need, the, the food and the drinks and the things like that. I will always have the money to buy those things because my God will supply my every need. But now these people are, are complaining. Why they brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There's no bread, neither is any water, and this white bread that you give us, it, I, I'm sick and tired of this stuff. And, and, you know, I got to have something else. And, you know, I, I pack my lunch every day when I go to work. And I, I rotate different foods around. Um, just, just so that when I, one of them starts uh, getting a little bland or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll go off of it for a while and I'll pick something else up. This is so that the food don't, I don't get tired of the same thing. And I can understand why that they are talking about the, the manna that came from heaven because that's all they had to eat was the manna that came from heaven. They may have had, uh, I don't think that they ever had any of their animals to eat or anything like that. I know, um, Aaron and, uh, the Levites, they had a lot of meat to eat because the Lord, uh, set aside a lot of the, the offerings and sacrifices that were offered for them to eat. But, you know, um, I can understand the, the reasoning behind the bread and everything, but I can't understand why that they complain. Listen, this world has got this, this train of thought that if I Make you miserable enough, you're going to do more work. If I make you miserable enough, you're going to be my best friend. But let me tell you something. 
Uh, if you if you're on me all the time and and you're complaining to me all the time and you're pushing me to do more all the time, you're gonna make me ill. You're not gonna make me happy. I don't care how much you your thought process is. And the people thought, well, you know, if we complain enough, maybe God will. Uh, if we complain enough, God will will give us what we want. No, He's going He's going to give you what you don't want. And he's proved it time and time again. Yeah, he's given you what you complained about, but it cost you in the long run. And right here, in verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Because of their complaining, because they were wishing they were back in Egypt, God sent these fiery serpents in and they bit the people, and the people died. Now then, what do they do? What do we always do when we're complaining and and, and griping and going on and things start going wonky and, and uh, times we go start through troubles and trials and things like that? What do we start doing? Then we start calling upon the Lord. Why does the Lord allow so many things to come up on this earth Today, because every time that something happens in this on this earth, what do we do? We, as a as a human race, we come together and we start calling upon the Lord every time. Otherwise, you don't never hear from some people. And uh, there were several pastors that were uh, asked a question of. Uh, about all these disasters that come up on the earth, about how that their attendance in church was. And they said that their, their attendance always doubled and sometimes tripled when things like this happened. But he said it wouldn't last, but maybe three, four, five, six weeks, something like that, and then people start trickling back out. But see, Satan caught on to that deal. And when he caught on to that deal, he, he, when he sent this coronavirus, he started attacking the churches and getting the churches to where that the churches weren't meeting like they were. Uh, you couldn't meet at all in the church. And now then you have restrictions on, uh, gathering together in the house of God. So he, he tried to, to squash that, but, uh, he didn't. He, yeah. He, he cheated some people out of some blessings and they some, some people that, uh, got out of church, was looking for a reason not to go to church in the first place, and this was a good one. So they got completely out of going to church and everything. They, I can live just as good at home, and I can sit and watch the services online. Well, maybe you can, maybe you can. I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that uh, that risk because I I gather strength from seeing my brothers and sisters in person. Even if they have a mask on, I still draw strength from them. And he he tried to do that, and that didn't work. But the ones that were really sincere and the ones that really wanted to serve God, they're still serving God. They're still going to church. They're still doing the things that they, they've always done, and they're just they're doing it just a little bit more maybe than what they were. But the children of Israel, they went to, uh, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, praying to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. 
And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. When he looketh up. we we'll go to Luke chapter 21. Did I mark that one? Yes, I did. Luke chapter 21 and 28. And, and it says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. He tell Moses, he said, you make, you make a brass serpent, and you put it up on a pole, and anyone that gets bit and comes and looks upon this serpent, they're going to live. They're not going to die. So look up. We got, he, he's, the Lord has done everything to be thought of to get us to look up to him. Look to him. He is the one that can provide everything that we need. He is the one that can provide salvation. He is the one that can meet our needs. He is the one. Anything that you need, God is. So, we, you know, even when Moses was back at Mount Harib, or Mount Sinai, and the burning bush, he asked God, he said, Who shall I tell the children of Israel that sent me? God told him, I am that I am. And you know, that, that describes God perfectly. He is. Whatever you need, he is. Whatever trouble you're going through, he is. He is your redeemer. He is your protector. He is your supplier. He is your doctor. He is your lawyer. He is your, your best friend, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. Anything that you need, God is. But God. It, and I mean, I'd explained it all. I am that I am. Whatever you need, God is. And if we would realize that our, our redemption and that our strength and everything that we have comes from God and we start thanking God for everything that we have, then we will be in a better place. We will, we will have less to complain about. We will have more to be thankful for. We will be happier. We will be more content. We will have joy that is, that is beyond expression. But we've got to get to the point to where that we realize that what we have is because God gave it to us and because God wanted us to have it. Now then, we need to thank God for it and we need to figure out just exactly how to thank God and use what God has given us for his glory. We, uh, we are getting into a rut, and just like the children of Israel. And, and the children of Israel, they never really come out of it. They get into this rut, and they keep looking back to Egypt. And we as children of God, we get into a rut, and we, we want to look back at uh, the life that we had before we give our heart and life to God. 
you know, I, I look back sometimes and I, I think about things that, that, uh, happened to me and things that I'd done when I was back, back in that life. And you know what I do? I end up thanking God because without the Lord being with me, even when I was out in sin, when without the Lord loving me and caring for me, even when I was out in sin, I have no doubt that right now I would be dead. I would be not, I would not be sitting here if it had not been for Jesus because he was looking out for me. He was taking care of me because I'd done some really stupid things when I was out in sin. But the Lord was looking out for me and he was taking care of me. Why? Because he seen something in me that I, I still don't see myself in me. I, I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. I am saved and I am on my way to heaven. But the Lord seen something extra special in me. And he, and he sees it in everybody. He, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you've done. God has a job for you. God has a plan for your life. Now then, we have, to, as humans, we have to turn our heart and our life and our minds and our souls and everything that we have, we have to turn that over to the Lord, place our lives in his hands and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Show me the way that you want me to go. Show me what it is that you want me to do. And give me and show me how to do it. You know, a lot of times we ask God to, show us what he wants us to do, but we forget to ask him to teach us how to do that job that he has put in front of us. You know, a long time ago, I started asking the Lord to to teach me, teach me. And let me tell you something. He has taught me some wonderful lessons. They have been some hard lessons. But I tell you what, in the end, that they were they were wonderful. They were worth every everything that I had to go through to learn those lessons. Remember, be thankful for what you have. Look to the Lord for what you need, not what you want. Look to the Lord for what you need and thank him for what you have. And I thank you all for, for tuning in, for listening. And I hope God meets your needs, and I hope that you uh, will bless the Lord in everything and every, uh, every way that you can. And until next time, God bless you.